Good morning. Before we begin, I have a confession to make. Um, This psalm has been a slap in the face for me this week. Um, And hopefully you'll see why, but um, I'm I'm genuinely preaching to myself this morning uh, because this uh, this has been a rough week for me and... Uh, I need to hear this as much as uh, us here together. So I'm going to pray because I need it. Um, And we're going to pray that God will speak to us. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, we come now to you uh, and we ask that whatever week has been, whatever these holidays have been, uh, that we would just come to you. Come humbled, but also ready to hear from you, to hear you speak to us, to speak words of life. And Father, encourage us as we need to be encouraged. Rebuke us as we need to be rebuked. Correct us where we need to be corrected. But stir us and steer us to you, to your spirit and your son, that we might find life in him as you have given it to us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So originally when I was planning this sermon, um, this baptism pool was going to be open. And kids, uh, how much fun would it have been Click, click. How much fun would it be if I was standing here and you got to dunk me with water? How much fun would that be? Yeah? I had a bad week, so it wasn't going to happen. But I'm sure, if you're honest as well, uh, you would probably enjoy that, wouldn't you? You'd probably enjoy seeing me dunked. Uh, So... Uh, anytime we're having any big events, I won't be here anymore. (laughs) But I'm sure that there would be a little bit of fun in that. This psalm that we have uh, is a joyful psalm. It's a prayer on one hand, but it's also a joyful one. Um, And picture it as you will, uh, like a bit of a road trip. Uh, the Song of Ascent, it's a collection of psalms that uh, the people of Israel would sing as they go towards the temple. Uh, they would gather three times a year uh, for the different festivals and they would sing as they would go towards Jerusalem. As they headed up Mount Zion, they would see the temple and they would sing these songs. And so this is one of them. And we're told here that it's also a psalm of David. Now, I want to just put a bit of context in, um, because I think this is important. Um, As you read David's life, as you you read his story, uh, his life is full of division. Right from the moment we're introduced to David, he and his brothers are divided. Um, If you remember the story, Samuel comes to David's family and he is to anoint the new king of Israel. And all of David's brothers come, 
They're all big, older than him, bigger than him, more impressive than he is. Um, But none of them are chosen. And David's actually left out in the field because no one thinks that he's worth their time. And we actually see this play out through the rest of the story. His brothers go to war, he comes along, and they're like, what are you doing here? And so there's division in his family. You know, it might not be major, but they're, you know, maybe it's a bit of sibling rivalry, but they're not, there's division there, right? But even through his adult life, his children, his wives, they're all bickering with each other, they're all fighting with each other. And so for David, he's... Familiar with a life that is divided, that is filled with disunity. And so you hear this first verse knowing that. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. This is a man who knows both how good and how pleasant it is when things come together, when God's people come together in unity. And that's the prayer of this song is the people are going up towards Jerusalem. The 12 tribes of Israel, they, they see each other three times a year. And this is the song that they're encouraged to sing. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Now, kids, I want you to help me out with this. Um, when the Bible here says good, it's not talking about what you think it's good. It's talking about what is good. So it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It's good. Right? So, and maybe adults can help me out here as well. What's something in life that is good for us? Veggies. Now, how many veggies are pleasant that you actually like. Anyone like Brussels sprouts? Joseph got introduced to Brussels sprouts on the holidays. He loves them now when they're cooked right. Jethro, what veggies do you like? Potatoes. Okay, so there there are some vegetables that are good and pleasant, but for the most part, they're good for us, but most people don't like them. Maybe you're one of those people that you do enjoy veggies. But what about things... Here's, here's one that I thought of. Liver. Anyone like liver? <laughs> I do. Um, you cook it right, it's beautiful. Um, I've got a 21st story about liver, but anyway. Um, liver's good for you, right? But most people, it's not pleasant, right? It's metallic, it's bloody, it's... And it's not something that a lot of people enjoy, but it's good for you, right? It's not something you can really... It's good for you, all right? Now, what's something that's pleasant that's not good for you? What's something that you enjoy that you like that's not good for you? What? KFC. KFC is extremely pleasant. Totally not good for you, but it's extremely pleasant. Anything else? Chips and lollies, chocolate, desserts, right? It's, it's, you know, some people call chocolate and coffee a fruit because it's, you know, a bean. But anyway, it's pleasant, isn't it? It's good. We enjoy it, but it's not good for you, right? But what, what are some things that might be good and pleasant for you? We heard 
that Jethro likes? Potatoes? What are some other things that are good for you, that you enjoy? Exercise? Anyone into exercise? I'm not, so it's not pleasant for me. Yeah. Cycling? Sleep? It's a good one. It's good for you and it's pleasant. Work for some? For some, work is good and pleasant. It's great when that comes together. Uh, my photo there is blueberries. They're full of antioxidants. They're sweet. Maybe not the sour ones, they're, they're not so great sometimes, but you know, they're good for you, but also they're, they're really nice. And this is what David is talking about. That unity, God's people living together in unity, is not just something that is good for you, but it is something to be enjoyed. Something that is pleasant. Something that brings joy. And so here's the thing, right? Unity is both good and pleasant. Right? It's both something that is beneficial for you, but also something that you can enjoy, that you can take pleasure in. And so that's so it's and so here's the first thing. It's not something that we do. Right? It's not something that we just do because it's good for us. We do it because it's something we can take pleasure in. Now, David paints this picture for us of what this is like. It is like precious oil poured down the beard, down the collar of Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. And so there's this picture, right? And that, that was going to be the idea that, you know, the kids were going to like just drench me in water head to toe, right? It's this picture of... Aaron, the high priest that, that uh, at, the, at the beginning of the Exodus, Aaron is anointed as the high priest, the first high priest of Israel. And the idea was that he would be anointed with oil. But David takes this picture further. That it would be like just a jug of oil being poured on him from head to toe. It would just drench him. Now, what's the, what's the significance of that? See, okay, the anointing of Aaron was to show his special place as God's priest. Right? It was to represent that here is someone who will represent God. The presence of God. And the oil is often symbolized by the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of God. And so anytime you read about um, prophets or priests or kings being anointed... With oil, it's God saying, I'm going to put my spirit on this person. I am going to be with this person. Right? And we, when we talk about Jesus, Jesus being the anointed one, he is one who has the spirit of God. And the picture here, right? So David's painting this picture that Aaron is being anointed, the Holy Spirit is with him, but it's just being poured on him. It's just being poured in abundance. And I think the idea is that because Aaron is representative of God's people. And this oil is representative of God's spirit. Right? So the picture that we're getting is this just rich, abundant 
presence of God's spirit with his people. Do you get that? So it's just it's just rich. It's abundant. And it's the the picture is that oil is just dripping off Aaron. There's so much of it. And that's what unity is meant to be like. That that's that God's presence and God's spirit is so rich and abundant, it's just dripping off God's people. It's flowing out into everything it touches. And so unity amongst God's people is God's abundant presence. And because Aaron is representative of God's people, and as a priest, one who serves God's people, God's, the, the, the oil that overflows is meant to be a blessing. Right? As that unity and that abundance of God's presence and His Spirit spreads, it's meant to be a blessing. And so that's the first picture. But then he paints a second picture. Right? Verse 3, it is as if the dew of Hermon was falling on Mount Zion. Now to understand this, you need to understand the, the two places. The, um, Mount Hermon uh, was uh, up in the north, I believe. I forgot to take my notes on this one. But it's further up north um, in uh, that peninsula the, the, in Israel. I mean, Mount Zion is down in the south. Jerusalem is down in the south. Mount Hermon was fertile, right? And it was, it was high up, and so it would just gather all the dew from the clouds, and it would just flow down the mountain, and the plains around it were just fertile. It was this rich land and it would just be it would just thrive but where jerusalem is it's a bit drier it's not as rich and so even as you look at pictures of jerusalem now it's not it's not a very green like there's patches of green but it's not a particularly green place and the picture david here is painting is unity amongst god's people is as if the dew of hermon this rich fertile place started to fall on Mount Zion. And if you know the picture there, Mount Zion is where God dwells with his people. That is the meeting place that God has with his people. And so we have this second picture where the rich, lush Jew, the life-giving Jew of Mount Hermon is where God is with his people. And that's the second this is that's the picture here that that unity is life-giving it's refreshing even in the driest place even in a place that is dry and arid unity brings life the unity of God's people brings life it's refreshing so we have these pictures of what unity looks like and then David closes his psalm for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And so this unity that is good and pleasant, this unity that reflects the abundant presence of God and, and flows out and blesses people, this unity that gives life and refreshes people and the soul, 
This is where God pours his blessing. This is where God bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And I want us to see there just how crucial unity is. And I don't think I really need to convince anyone of that. Unity is crucial. right? It, and it brings life. And not just life, life forevermore. It brings eternal life. Right? As God's people gather together in unity, it brings life. Jesus says, love one another. And the world will know that you are my disciples. Right? This unity, this love that we are called to have for each other, to demonstrate to each other, to give each other, to share with each other, is how the world will know that we are Jesus' disciples and where they can find life. So let's bring that back to the beginning. This is a song, this is a prayer that the people of God are to sing as they head towards the temple, as they are preparing to meet with God. And what are they reminding themselves of? That one, it's good. It is good for you. It's something that is beneficial for you. And it is something to be enjoyed. And so immediately, there's a work in the heart that needs to happen. Right? Because you can do the work of unity. You can go through the actions and the emotions of being united. It's like, you know, I'll show up to do this, I'll do this, I'll serve here, I'll do that. You can do the work of unity, but do you enjoy it? And this is what Felix was getting at last week. Do you enjoy the unity that is meant to exist amongst God's people? Do you enjoy that? Do you gain from it? Do you find pleasure in it? Right, and and if you've had a bad bad week, you're rocking up to church. It's like I don't want to be here. I'll I'll do my bit, but I don't want to be here. I don't. And so this psalm reminds us, like, no, we need to. This is a prayer, right? That how good is it? How pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity? And so it is a prayer that as we gather, as we come together, it's like God. I know this is good for me, but I want to enjoy this. I want to find pleasure in this. I want to find joy in this. And so there's something that needs to happen in the heart. And so coming together as God's people, we pray, God, help us not to just go through the motions. Help us to find joy in this. And so that's the prayer. Because it is good and pleasant. But it's more than that, isn't it? We're given two pictures And the first one is just this rich pouring of God's Spirit amongst His people. And that overflows. And so it's not just something that we gain. It's not just something that we gain pleasure from. It's something that flows out. And we are called the priest, uh, God's priests. Right? We're, We're to be a priesthood of believers, not just for Israel, but for us today. And so this unity is meant to be something that gives birth to abundance and blessing and flows into the lives of others. So it's not just something that we do for good and pleasant, our, our own 
uh, pleasure, but it's something that flows into the life of others. And lastly, it's driven by the gospel. Right? It's driven by the fact that we want everyone to find life, life forevermore. Life in Jesus. And how do we do that? By being united. By coming together as God's people. And it says together there. Living together. And that's what we read in the early church, isn't it? That they would gather under God's word. That they would gather in fellowship. And they would share everything together. And so here's, here's, here's a few things that I want us to think about. And a few challenges I don't want to throw out. To share everything together requires two things. Firstly, it, re- it requires giving. It requires the sharing. And secondly, it requires the gi- receiving. And we have a culture, both in our society, for some of us in our Asian culture, where that relationship doesn't work. The giving and the receiving doesn't work. Right? We, because... We have a culture that tells us you can't ask for help. You're, you're being a burden to people. You're, um, you're, you know, you're being dependent on other people. And we have a culture that tells us don't, don't share, don't give. Be generous. You know, be the one that gives to other people, sure. But don't be in the position where you're a burden to people, that you're the one asking for help. But that's not the picture that we get here. The picture that we get throughout all of Scripture is that God's people are ones that share all of life. That when one mourns, everyone mourns. When one rejoices, everyone rejoices. But that means that we need to share both the good and the bad. We are to bear one another's burdens. And so we, we can have great fellowship, but to take that to the next level, that picture of unity that we're given here requires that humility, to go, I, I need to share life with other people. But then there's a second bit that you actually need to receive it as well. You might find yourself in a position or a stage of life where actually everything's really good. And so you're in a great position to give and to, to serve others and to share, but maybe things aren't so good. And you need to receive you need to receive that help, that those offers of prayer and support. And so the two go together. You can't have one or the other. You can't, if they're not in balance, right? That, there's a level of unity, but there's, it's not this. It's not this picture of abundance and richness that flows and blesses and gives life. And so the two come together. In order for unity to be good and pleasant, requires us to come together to share all of life together so that we can bear one another's burdens, that we can rejoice when everyone rejoices and mourn when others are mourning. And this is a, you know, we plug this all the time, but one of those purposes of having our life groups is so that you can do that, right? It's not really practical for everyone to kind of just get up each Sunday and share what's going on, right? It's just not practical, but in our life groups, we can do that. And so that's why we keep encouraging you to be part of a life group. So you've got a small group of people that you can share with, that you can give, that you can receive, and that you can do life together. That's why we call them life groups. But it's also where we can be that priesthood, that blessing to one another, right? And it's also a place where we can share 
and give that life in Jesus that we have. But I want to take that to another step. Um, families. And, and I've spoken this to this... You know what? I haven't probably spoken to this enough. But our families, particularly as Christians, our families are a microcosm of church, of what it means to be God's people. And so for the Christian, for the Christian family, what we do as a family is a, it's a place where we train and disciple one another to be part of God's family. And so I just want to unpack this for a moment. How do our families, so I'm speaking to the parents, but also, you know, as you're thinking about the future and thinking about having your own families, how do our families promote a culture of not good behavior, but good and pleasant relationship? And I'll be the first one to say that I don't do that very well sometimes. But how do we build our families to encourage husband and wives to encourage our children to find joy in unity. Not just to put up with each other because it's the right thing to do. Not just to share your toys because you're trying to be kind. But actually nurture and encourage an environment that is actually pleasant. It's not easy, is it? But I'll be the first one to say that in that's where... Discipling our children starts. If we want them to grow to be Christians who understand what it means to have unity that is good and pleasant, it starts at home. And so the question is, what are our priorities? How do we encourage our children and one another to live together in unity, to deal with our differences, to share with joy, what we have, how to deal with disagreements and conflict. How do we do that? Now, I don't have all the answers, but I'm sure some of you do a lot better than I do. But how do we do that? How do we encourage each other to do that? Another part of that is, how do we, as families... Now, when I say families, it's not just those with kids, it's, it's all of us. But how do we, as family... Learn to minister and serve. And so one of the things we've encouraged families to do is to actually get their kids involved. So getting their kids involved to to do things in order to learn how to minister and serve. But here's a practical thing. That starts at home. And I know chores is a bit of a dirty word sometimes, but it's actually breeding, it's teaching them how to serve, how to minister to other people. And it's not just a case of, go and do that. And sometimes you do have to just say, go and do that. But it's in the process of going, you know, this is serving. This is considering others and looking out for opportunities to be a blessing to other people. And so it's a place of discipleship. So how are we as families, how are we as a church family, looking for opportunities to disciple one another? to serve and to minister to each other. And lastly, this is where the gospel is put into practice. Gospel living isn't just going out and sharing the good news of Jesus with people. That's part of it. 
But it starts by promoting a culture of love, a culture of unity. It's building our relationships so that as we gather together, that it is something that people will see and they will see that it is good and pleasant. It is something that is good for us and something that we enjoy. That they come and they see that it's out of this love, out of this unity that we have for each other, that it just pours out and blesses everyone who walks through our doors. And in doing so, that they come into contact with what it looks like to have life in Jesus. That they see that there is something where God is. And where God is, He blesses and bestows His blessing. And our prayer is that results in life forevermore. Eternal life. Salvation in Jesus. As people move from darkness to light. Because they have been exposed to this unity where God is present. And so coming back to the families, we want to, again, I don't have all the answers, but we want to work together. We want to help each other do that. Uh, and so I'm just going to do a quick plug. 11th, 11th of February, we'll send the details out, but I want to get all the parents together and we want to talk about how do we as a church encourage and support each other uh, if you're not a parent, but you want to encourage the parents, feel free to come along. But I want to talk to the parents particularly. How do we encourage each other? How do we as a church, what can we do to encourage and support you uh, to disciple your children? So I just want to bring this to a close. This psalm, first and foremost, is a prayer. And I pray that this is a prayer that we will take. That as we come together as God's people, whether that's on a Sunday, whether that's at life group, whether that's just in a social interaction that we have, or even if that's picking up your phone and thinking, you know what, I'm going to contribute, I'm going to add, I'm going to give, I'm going to serve, I'm going to share with my community, with my church family. This is the prayer. How good, God, how good and pleasant is it? When God's people live together in unity. That's the prayer. And that that unity might be so rich and abundant that it is a blessing to each and every person around us. So much so that it is life-giving, refreshing and restorative as we gather. Whether that's in person whether that's digitally as we send messages to each other, whether that's in our life groups, in our homes, or just gathering together socially. That's my prayer. And I hope that might be a prayer that you might pick up, that we might be a people that are united and growing in unity, that we find not only the benefits of it, but that we might enjoy it too. So would you pray with me as we bring this to a close? Heavenly Father, we thank you, first and foremost, that you are the one who loves us, that you are the one that has saved us in the Lord Jesus and brought us together as your family, and that you have done that on purpose. We're not here by mistake. We're not here by accident. You have brought us together. 
to be your people. In how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And so, Father, that's my prayer, and I hope that's our prayer, that as we continue to walk together in life, that we might go deeper with each other, that we might share life with each other, that we might learn to give and to receive the blessings of being in your family. Help us also to experience the richness and the abundance of your presence with us. And in doing so, that we might be a blessing to the people around us. And we pray that as we continue to grow in unity, that it might continue to give life, that it might be refreshing, that it might restore. And so, Father, we pray that you might do that in us, that we might experience that life, that refreshing and that restoration that comes as being united as your family. And so, Father, would you do that? And would you bestow your blessing here and beyond here so that people might find life, life forevermore in the Lord Jesus, we ask. Amen.